I'm a Christian. And I'm a great Christian. Hey, Christian, what's John doing up on that? Oh, line? God, my God. I pray it now that thou might bless thine humbled servant with a bottle of water to nourish my thirst. What are you doing? Why, whatever you mean. What's with the water bottle and the King James language and the guy on the ladder? Psh, what? I can't... I don't even know what to say about... Okay, look. It's been brought to my attention that due to these videos, people are starting to question my spirituality. So I figured I'd show them how powerful my prayers were. But why do you need to... Oh, Lord! I beseech thou again. If thou findeth me worthy in thine sight, you can grant unto me a turkey sandwich. See? The effective prayer of an awesome Christian accomplishes mucho. Yeah, but that's a tuna sandwich. Oh, come on! You know I'm allergic to tuna. I told you maybe a trick. What? Amen. Anyways, Easter is only three weeks away. That's 21 days. And our staff has been working hard in preparation for it. But we also realize that human effort alone cannot achieve the results that we want. We need God's help. In the book of Psalms, chapter 127, verse number 1, it says... Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. In other words, it doesn't matter how hard you work, all the hard work in the world without God's help is not going to attain or not going to achieve what you want. So for the next 21 days, what we're doing is we're asking everyone who attends Cornerstone Fellowship to join us in praying for our Easter service. Now, this is so important that what we actually did is we sat down and we created a list of everything we need to pray for. And then we divided that list over a 21-day period so that every day we would be praying for one specific thing. As an example, today we're thanking God for all of the great things that he's accomplished through Cornerstone Fellowship in the last 22 years. And we're also praying that God is going to use everyone who attends our church for his purpose and his glory during Easter. Tomorrow we're going to be praying that every person in our church would be consumed with the passion to see so saved this Easter. So let me ask you a question. How many of you are willing to commit to praying for our Easter service over the next 21 days? All right, raise your hand up if you're willing to do that because I want you to understand God is in heaven. He's looking at all these hands and he's writing your name down. I can't do it, but God can. Well, the list called 21 Days of Prayer, can be found in your bulletin. It's also on our website. If you go to cornerstonefellowship.com or cornerstonefellowship.tv, there'll be a little tab there. It says 21 Days of Prayer. Just click on that. It will list everything that we're praying for, and it's divided them according to the day. Now, if you go on the web, you need to understand that you can't put a space in there. It's Cornerstone Fellowship as one word. Now, I know that some of you don't want to make the commitment to pray because you feel inadequate when it comes to prayer. And the reason I know that is because you've told me so. Some of you have told me that you don't pray at all. Others of you have told me that you pray every once in a while, 
but only in one or two sentences. Some of you told me that the only time that you pray is when you're in a crisis situation. Someone's sick and in the hospital. Someone's dying. You're having marriage problems. You're having financial problems. But unless a crisis is taking place in your life, you really don't pray. Now, to be honest with you, that's always bothered me. It's always bothered me that Christians don't pray the way they ought to. So I've given it a lot of thought. And I've come up with five reasons why Christians don't pray the way they ought to. And I have to be honest with you, there's no scientific evidence that validates these reasons. There's no polls that have been taken or no statistics. This is just my own thoughts as to why Christians don't pray the way they ought to. So, the first reason that I think Christians don't pray the way they ought to is because they don't know how to pray. I know that sounds funny, but I've had so many people come up to me over the last 22 years of ministry, and they made this comment, Pastor, I'd love to be able to pray, but I really don't know how. So I think that there's a lot of people out there that don't know how to pray. I think the second reason is because people get bored or they get distracted when they try to pray. They start off praying, and before they know it, their mind wanders, and they start thinking about all the events that transpired during the day. Or maybe all the things that they need to get accomplished tomorrow. Or maybe they just start thinking about the grocery list. I don't know. But the mind begins to wonder, and they go, oh, I can't really pray. The third reason that Christians don't pray the way that they ought to is because they think that what they're praying for is insignificant. It really doesn't matter to God. In other words, God's got bigger problems and bigger issues to deal with than what they're praying about. So they think, you know, I really don't want to bother God with all of that. The fourth reason is because they're not sure that prayer really makes a difference. And the fifth reason goes right along with the fourth. We're busy. And if prayer really doesn't make a difference, then why waste our time? And I think the last two reasons are the main reasons why Christians don't pray. It's because they really believe that prayer doesn't make a difference. And if I'm so busy, why waste my time praying if it doesn't make a difference? Well, let me just tell you right up front. Prayer makes a difference. I've seen God do miracles as a result of prayer. I've seen God intervene in situations and miraculously change the outcome. And I learned it early on. Some of you don't know this, but when Lisa and I had been married about two and a half years, she had a pituitary gland tumor. And so when we went to the doctor, he explained what it was, some of the side effects that would happen, said the only thing we can do is to have surgery. And so they, they brought in this guy from Oklahoma City, and they really told us kind of the negative wall was going to take place, how bad it could be, what the symptoms would be, and we just prayed and believed in God. And it was kind of scary for Lisa because after the surgery, all of these doctors and all of these nurses came in. And when they came in, they would come to the room and they would look at all of the pages. They would look at all of the things that were going on and they would walk out. And so Lisa told me after the surgery, she said, why are all of these doctors and nurses coming in? So I went to ask. And the answer they gave me was because she's a miracle. This should not have happened the way it happened. The way she's recovering it's not affecting her hormones. It's not affecting any other thing. And so people are coming in amazed to see it. But I knew what had happened. We had prayed and God was doing his work. So I'm here to tell you from personal experience that prayer makes a difference. And as you read through the Bible, you can see miracle after miracle because of prayer. And this morning I'm just going to read two examples, if you don't mind. 
The first one is found in the book of James, chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. It says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Now here's the thing that James is trying to emphasize. He was as human as we are. It wasn't because he was any closer to God than we are. It wasn't because God was giving him more favor than us. No, it's simply because he prayed earnestly and these things happened. Now look at Acts chapter 12, verses 5 through 12. It says, but while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. So here Peter is in prison. (coughs) This is shortly after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The apostles are being persecuted in the city of Jerusalem. He's now been arrested and everyone believes and thinks that he is going to be crucified or stoned. So the church begins to pray very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Now people, that is something. They want to make sure that he doesn't escape. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrist. Then the angel told him, Get dressed and put on your sandals, and he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. But all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and the second guard post and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent an angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. People, let me just tell you, prayer makes a difference. Now, before I go any further, let me explain what prayer is. Because I think we all have this idea of what prayer is, but for the majority of us, we're wrong. So let me just explain what prayer is. Prayer is communicating with God. Nothing more Nothing less. It's communicating with God. Now, the reason I didn't say that prayer is talking with God is because there's other ways to communicate besides talking. Yes, talking is the main way that we communicate, but it's not the only way. We can also communicate through song. I know that's words, but there is a difference. I can remember when my girls were young, and especially Micah Joy, when she was two to three years old, she would climb up into my lap when I was sitting down, She would take her little hands and put them on my face. And she would say, Daddy, I want to sing a song for you. And I would say, okay, honey, go ahead and sing. And then she would just start making up words. I love my daddy. We go outside. He pushes me in the swing and pushes me on my bike. And she would just go on and on and on until she couldn't think of any more to sing. And then she would just jump down out of my lap and she would run off. But I want you to understand that that touched me so much. And I kind of wish I could go back where my girls were young and have Micah or Macy climb up in my lap and start singing that song. But you know what? There are times I'm the same way. 
There are times in my prayer time where I will actually just kind of climb up in God's lap and I start singing a song. And I have to be honest, I don't know if it comes from having my kids do this to me, but I'll just start making up words about how good God is and how great God is and start going over what he's done for me and all the things he's going to do in the future for me. But all I'm doing is singing to God. And singing to God is a part of my prayer time. We can also communicate through our body language. You see, there are times when I can tell that you don't like what I preached. And you don't have to say a word. I can tell by your body language and your, and your facial expressions that you're upset with me. People, you're communicating, communicating loud and clear. People, God is the same way. He pays attention to our body language. So he not only hears what we say, but he watches the way we say it. But my point is this. Even though talk is the main way in which we communicate, there are other ways to communicate. And that's why I define prayer as communicating with God rather than talking with God. Now, I want you to turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2, and I'm going to give you an example of nonverbal communication with God. It says, O Lord... Hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God. For I pray to no one but you. David's groaning, and the NIV translates this as sighs, was just as much a part of his communicating with God as his words were. That's why he said, pay attention to my groaning. You know, there have been times in my life when I was going through a tough situation, or I'll be honest with you, my kids were going through a tough situation. And that was even harder on me than my own tough situations. Because nothing can touch your heart like your kids. And there have been times when my kids were going through a very, very difficult situation. And I would go into my bedroom, close the door, lock it, turn off all the lights, and I was going to get serious with God and begin to pray. And literally what I did was I would fall down on the carpet and before I know it, I was just crying. And that's all I could do was cry. But I was crying to God. And that was my prayer. No words, just crying. And I knew in my heart that God understood what I was feeling, what I was thinking, what I was wanting, what I was desiring. And after I finished crying and I, I knew that God had heard my prayer, I stood up. And I've done this many times and just simply said, amen. So what is prayer? Prayer is communicating with God. And most of the time, it's talking with him, but it's not limited to just talking. Does that make sense? Is everyone following what I'm saying? Good. Now, for those of you who do not feel adequate when it comes to prayer, I want to give you four tips to improve your prayer life. Because God wants you to pray. Prayer makes a difference. And for some of you who are complaining to God and complaining to me about God, the reason you're complaining is because you're not praying. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. And when we ask, we ask amiss in order to consume it upon our own lust. In other words, we're praying for things that are not God's will. But the truth of the matter is, as we look at that very first part, it says you have not because you ask not. In other words, because you're not praying. So if you're complaining that God's not answering things for you, it's probably because you are not praying. So if you feel inadequate in your prayer time, write down the four tips that I'm going to give you because these four tips will improve your prayer life. Tip number one, when you're praying to God, 
Just be yourself. I don't know why, but some people think that when they're praying, they have to speak elegantly. So they start talking in some kind of King James Version dialect. Oh, omnipotent God, creator of all things in heaven and earth, we beseech thee in our time of need. Now, can you imagine if my kids came to me and they were talking that way? I can't imagine it. I really can't. But I'm going to try. I'm going to try to imagine Micah or Macy coming up to me and saying, Oh, omnipotent Father, despot of our household, master of our home, Lord of your wife, I beseech thee to help me. Please give me money. Now, people, that's crazy. That's crazy. Number one, my kids would never do that. And number two, I wouldn't want them to. If my kids were approaching me, I know what they would do. They would come up to me and say, hey, Dad, could you help me out? I need a little bit of money if you don't mind. Where's your bill folk? And I would say, well, it's where it always is. Your mother has it. (laughs) Now, people, listen to me. God does not want you speaking to him in a King James Version dialect unless that's the way you speak every day. If you go to work and you speak in the King James Version dialect, go ahead. That's you. That's yourself. But if that's not the way you talk, let me just say this. God does not want you speaking in a King James Version dialect. He just wants you to be yourself. You know, the only time that Jesus ever criticized the way that people prayed was when they were trying to impress others or trying to impress God. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 5 through 7, and I want you to notice how critical Jesus is of the way certain people prayed. He said, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. But when you go, or when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are going to be answered merely by repeating their words again and again. So in other words, what he's saying is, when you pray, be yourself. Don't try to be elegant or start speaking in a King James Version dialect. Just be yourself. Don't be long-winded. Don't worry about the way it sounds. Just be yourself. Tip number two, talk to God about everything that matters to you. Because the truth is, if it matters to you, it matters to God. In fact, nothing is too small, nothing is too, ins- or nothing is too insignificant to pray about. Not if it matters to you. Look at the book of Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6. Notice what it says. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Now notice what he's saying. Don't worry about anything Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. So if you're worried about something, pray about it. Give it to God and let Him handle it. Now, if you don't know how to give something to God, then go get my CD that I was teaching on, The God Box. 
Find out what a God box is and use the God box because God wants you to pray about everything and give it to him and allow him to handle the situation. Now the Bible clearly teaches that if it matters to you, it matters to God. And the reason that it matters to him is because he loves you and he cares for you. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 7. It says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. So what he's telling you to do is, if you've got a problem, give it to God. If you're worried about something, give it to God. If you think you want something, give it to God. And let God deal with those things. Now, I'm not saying God won't speak to you and have you do certain things. Yes, there are certain responsibilities that we have. And if we don't fulfill our responsibilities, we tie God's hands. Because the Bible says that he blesses the work of our hands. In other words, he blesses what we do. And if we're not doing anything, then God can't bless that. Does that make sense? Good. Tip number three. Talk to God continually throughout the day. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always. Rejoice when it's going good. Rejoice when it's going bad. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What's God's will for you? Going through bad things? No. It's God's will that you give him thanks, that you praise him. As Christians, there's one thing we should always be conscious of. And that one thing is this. God is always present. God's presence is always with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. So throughout the day, we need to feel free to be able to talk to him. doesn't matter what situation we're in. We can begin to communicate with God, and that's prayer. You need to understand something. Prayer doesn't have to be a, t a time when you isolate yourself from everyone else, and you get down on your knees, and you close your eyes, and you spend a long time talking to God. No. You can pray wherever you are and whenever you want. And it can be just as short as you want. Remember, prayer is, is nothing more than communicating with God. Now, let me just kind of balance that if you don't mind. I do believe that we should have a time when we do isolate ourselves and we focus on talking with God because that builds intimacy. Just as spending private time with our spouse builds intimacy. But, that, but I want you to understand something. That doesn't mean that you cannot communicate with God all throughout the day. I'll be honest with you. I pray continually throughout the day. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. In fact, it's kind of become a habit. I get ready to study the Word of God. I'm saying, now God, I want you to just draw the things out of the Word of God that I need to see. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are our provider. I just pray that you would provide revelation. And it's amazing to me as I read the Bible how much that God will just bring up to the top and it becomes alive in my soul. Why? Because I'm praying about that. Someone uh, calls up to the church and they tell us a situation. They want it to go on the prayer chain. I see it come across the computer. I stop what I'm doing and I pray for that. I've started doing something else too. I started printing out the prayer requests so at night I can review them again and really play, pray diligently for those things. But why do I do that? Because I know that prayer makes a difference. Tip number four. This is the last one. Listen for God's response. I want you to turn back to the book of Psalms, chapter 5. 
I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 again, but I'm also going to read verse number 3 with it. I want you to notice what David says in verse 3. O Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. Listen to my cry for help. My King and my God, for I pray to no one but you. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. What was he waiting for? He was waiting for God to speak to him. If you listen, God will speak to you. But it's usually not the way that you think it's going to be. Most of the time, it's just a small, still voice on the inside of you. It's God whispering in your spirit. I don't know why, but I thought when I first went into the ministry that as I prayed and I listened, God was going to speak to me audibly. Or God was going to do some miraculous things that I would know it was him. But he didn't do that. What I found is God basically whispered into my spirit. I had to be quiet. I had to meditate. I had to focus. But if I listened, I could hear God whispering to me. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 through 12. And I want to show you that the, the powerful prophet Elijah, when God spoke to him, most of the time it was in a small, still voice. And even though God did miraculous things with him, he still spoke to him in a small, still voice. Let me read verses 9 through 12 in 1 Kings 19. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. That gentle whisper was God speaking. Now here was Elijah, a mighty prophet of God. And he did so many mighty things and he saw God work. But here's what's interesting. When the situation got tough, when he thought that he was going to die, he took off running and all God really wanted him to do was to stop and listen. And what he was doing in this situation was reminding Elijah that when you're in a tough situation, you need to stop what you're doing, you need to get alone, and you need to listen. Because I'm going to whisper to you. I'm going to speak to you through that. So most of the time when God speaks, it is not earth-shattering. It's just a gentle whisper in your spirit. And you just know that that's God speaking to you. It's kind of like when you're reading the Word of God, and I know this has happened to you. It happens to me quite frequently. I'll be reading the Word, and I'm going through a certain situation, and it's amazing to me as I'm going through my Bible reading plan. I read the, through the Bible every year. I stay on that Bible reading plan and go all the way through it. But it's amazing to me how that always seems to correspond with what I'm going through. And I'm going through a tough situation, and I pray before I start reading, and I start reading through there, and all of a sudden, the Scripture just pops out at me. It's like it comes alive to me. It's almost like it's in bold print. And it's exactly 
what I need to hear in the situation that I'm going through. That is what is known as a rhema. It's when God's word comes alive and speaks to you. That's a rhema. But you know, God does the same thing in our prayer time. As we begin to pray and we listen, God speaks. So when you're praying, don't do all of the talking. You know, sometimes we think when we're finished talking, the prayer time is over. People, when you finish talking, you need to stop. The prayer time is not over, and you need to listen. Tell God what you want to, and then shut up and listen, because God does speak. I could tell you story after story where God has spoken to me, and it's changed my life. I've told this story before, but I think it's something that you guys can relate to. For you new people, you probably don't know this. This is like the sixth or seventh building that we've been in. We started in my home. Then we went to a couple of storefront buildings. And then we went to a little church on 4th Street. And then we bought the old National Guard Armory. And then we moved into the PAC for a while while we were building this. But when we were down on 4th Street, it's kind of interesting. It was a Saturday, and I was watching Duke get beat in basketball. It's about this time of year. And I just have to be honest, Debbie and Marvin always get on to me because Michelle went to Duke. But I can't stand Duke. And I love it when Duke gets beat. So I'm watching the basketball game. Duke is getting beat. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit speaks to me. And it says, read the paper. Now, you need to understand something. We don't get a paper. We do now, but back then we didn't. And so I just kept watching the ball game. And it was stronger a little bit. It said, read the paper. And so I finally turned off the TV. And I just said, God, now make sure Duke gets beat. I went in and I told Lisa, I said, honey, I'm supposed to go get a paper. And she says, it's raining outside. I said, I know, but I'm still supposed to go get a paper. So I got the keys. I went. I drove over to 66 Quick Stop, and I didn't even think about this. I got out, and there's the Tulsa World. There's the Muskogee Phoenix. There's the Daily Press. There's the Oklahoman. Is that what it is? And then a couple of others. And I'm looking at this and saying, God, what am I supposed to read? Do I buy all of these? And I felt like he said, no, just, just pick the Daily Press up. So I went in, put my money in, got the Daily Press, went home, did not read it. Turned the game back on. Started watching. When Duke got beat, I then went to the paper. And I said, okay, God, what am I supposed to read? And I'm start, starting to go through all of this, and nothing really jumps out at me. But I'm really interested in this one article where the person who owns the National Guard Army, the old National Guard Army, is going bankrupt. So I go back up, and I read this thinking, you know, I'm really not doing what you want, God, because I shouldn't even be reading this. This is gossip about this guy. But as I'm reading through this, it says that this building is going to go to sheriff auction in two weeks. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, I'm going to give you that building. Now, he didn't mean he's going to physically give it to me. But he meant that building's going to be yours. And I wasn't even sure I wanted the building. But I drove down there. And I drove around it. And I looked at that and I said, so God, you're telling me you're going to give me this building. He said, yep, I'm going to give you that building. So I go home. And I call the person that is going bankrupt. And I said, I noticed in the paper, I don't mean to offend you, but I noticed that this building is going up for sheriff's auction. I said, I'd be interested in that. He said, can I, I said, can I come down and take a look at it? He said, I'll tell you what. 
I'll do one thing better. He said, I still own it for two weeks. If you come down and want it, I'll give it to you for what I owe on it. You can just assume the payments. Now, you need to understand something. We're out on 4th Street. We probably have 30 people coming to our church. Our financial uh, situation was kind of desperate. We didn't have the money to be able to present. I knew that if that was going to be ours, God was ca- going to have to do a miracle. I said, well, yeah, open it up. I'd like to see it. I went down there. We looked at it. and I said, I'd like to buy it. He arranges it with the banker. I go in and sign papers, don't turn in any financial statements, don't turn anything in, and I just assume it. Little did I know that I really got in trouble after that. The bank called me, not that bank, but another bank, because they wanted to buy it. Northeastern State University called me. They both were saying, this is foul, this is wrong. We were going to bid on it when it went to sheriff's auction. I found out how much they were going to bid on it. There's no way we would have ever been able to do it. But I want you to understand something. God speaks. God speaks. But you have to be able to listen. And it's usually not an earth-shattering way. Usually when God speaks, it's a gentle whisper into your spirit. You hear him on the inside, and you know it's him. Now, I have to be honest with you. When you first start listening to God... You know that he's speaking, you just don't know what he's saying. It's kind of like being a child. You know, when you're born into this world, you can't speak. But it's amazing. The more you're around that and the more you're hearing to it, you begin to speak naturally. You're you're able to speak words. Now, it's not saying that you can't hear. You know, when you're a child and mom walks into the room, it's like you don't know what she's saying. She's making these weird, ooh, goo, 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 gaga. But that's her voice. And, you know, when you become a new Christian... You hear the voice of God, you just don't know what he's saying. But the more time you spend with God, you begin to be able to distinguish what he's telling you and what he's saying and what he's speaking. So, if you'll apply these four tips, I promise you they will improve your prayer life to the point where it will become fruitful. And you'll get to that place where you can't do anything but pray when a situation arises. So, if you want to be involved in praying for Easter, here's what we want you to do. We want you to pick up a bulletin. If you didn't pick up a bulletin on your way out, make sure that you get one. Because inside that bulletin are the 21 days of prayer, the things that we are praying about. If you don't want to pick up a bulletin, I understand that. You get on the Internet, go to cornerstonefellowship.com or cornerstonefellowship.tv. And when you get there, just click on the tab that says 21 days of prayer. And then just print out that list. And every day you pray with us. Because we're believing for great things. The most people we've ever had at one service was about 1,300. If we want to be specific, it's 1,296. But I'm believing that this Easter, we're going to have between 13 and 1,400 people. But I believe that that's only going to happen if our church comes together and we begin to pray for God to move. People, it's not about numbers, but every one of those numbers represents a soul. What we desire is to use this opportunity to pray that God would move and people would be saved and lives would be changed. So my prayer is that you will become passionate to see so saved this Easter. In fact, that's tomorrow's prayer.